Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome into another episode of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. My name is JJ Jackson, and I'm so excited to have you here with us on this program, Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast devoted to everything going on in the life of Duke athletics. November is here. Basketball season has arrived as Duke men's basketball takes on Jacksonville a little bit later tonight. Really excited to see the John Shire era off and running. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and review. And also, we're on YouTube each and every day. We've been doing this YouTube journey for nearly a year now at this point. Be sure to subscribe as we're trying to climb our way towards 1,000 subscribers there on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils, and I'm on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. And on today's show, I'm so thrilled to bring in one of my good pals, Jason Evans, one of the co-hosts for the Duke Basketball Report podcast, is here with us. And, and Jason, we have finally made it. College basketball season is here. You know, the offseason, at least according to the calendar, what, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, you know, it's only like seven months or so. It feels like forever. It's just always yeah. every offseason. I'm like, God, it's going to be forever until I get college basketball back again. <laughs> yes. And, and now we've got it. We've got it back. We're off and running. And for Duke, they've got a couple of games this week before the big test next week, taking on uh, Kansas and the Champions Classic. Different speed uh, for Duke this season as opposed to some years, because in years prior, Jason, we've seen that Champions Classic game be the absolute first game that the squad goes out and plays. This week, the team's getting a bit of a runway with a pair of games played inside Cameron Indoor Stadium. Yeah, and, you know, I don't know why college basketball changed things up and decided to move the Champions Classic back by a week. Uh, you know, I'm sure that there are people who control the the TV rights and the such <laughs> yeah. who, who are worth, uh, who, who understand the value of doing that. But to me... I think I saw Jeff Goodman or someone like that on Twitter the other day saying college basketball kicks off today, Monday. There are no good games. There, there isn't a single like matchup between two teams where you go, those two teams are definitely both going to the tournament. Maybe we're getting a tournament preview or something like that here. Uh, there, there's nothing even close to that on the schedule. I'm thrilled college basketball is back, but I'm kind of dying for a good game. Yeah, it is interesting, the schedule that's been put in place for the reason being. I know that they've always had the Champions Classic on Tuesdays. Uh, They love the the ability to have their college football playoff reaction at the same time between the two games being played. You have to wonder if Election Day being tomorrow factors in with no games being played across the sport, and then you don't want to put the good games on a Monday or something like that. I don't know. I'm spitballing ideas here, but nonetheless, I'm with you that uh, it's yeah, well, just odd not to have those games. Yeah, you can't put it on Monday because of Monday Night Football. And so, so then yeah. you're like, okay, well, wait, do we do it on a Wednesday? And, oh, I, you know, they've, they've all got their reasons. Football, football is spreading more and more across the schedule early in the <laughs> year. So, you know, I, I mean, their, their football games, NFL on Sunday, Monday, Thursday, um, there's college on Fridays and Saturdays. There's not a lot of schedule left for us. <laughs> right. 
basketball will be here though and that's the awesome thing is that we've got the game set to be played a little bit later this evening so we've seen this duke squad play a couple of times now to this point we've seen a countdown to craziness we saw the exhibition against Fayetteville State and we certainly heard about the uh, closed door scrimmage with Houston uh, overall what are, what are some of the takeaways that you've had from Duke's performance lately Jason well you know we've been getting rumors from practice I've been hearing for several weeks that Mark Mitchell has been one of the more impressive players in practice and boy you really saw that in spades in in that exhibition game uh, against Fayetteville State I, I thought I thought Mark Mitchell and Jacob Grandison were the two best players on the floor for Duke in that game. And it's not just because those are the two leading scorers. It wasn't just their ability to put the ball through the basket. It was, uh, in the case of Mark Mitchell, you know, the fact that he was so active, you know, people talk about the the notion of, of a motor. Um, Mark Mitchell was the very de- definition of a guy with a high energy motor in that game. Um, he uses his length really, really well. I love his stride. I've, I've talked about this a little bit on the Duke Basketball Report podcast. When Mark Mitchell gets the ball off a rebound, off a steal, whatever it may be, and begins taking it the other direction, he has such long strides that he gets up the floor really fast <laughs> and puts pressure on the defense immediately. And then the other thing about him is he's a lefty. And even though you can, in your head, know, okay, He's a lefty. I understand he's going to shoot it with his left hand. When you're playing defense against that, it just, it surprises you. You're not, it's hard to adjust to it because you're so used to guys. If they have a choice of where they're going to shoot it, they're going to shoot it with their right hand. Well, here's Mark Mitchell taking up with his left hand. I think it makes it more difficult to block his shot and get in his way. We saw him in that exhibition against Jacksonville, not just shooting around the basket, but, you know, taking some pull-ups, some stuff in the lane, some stuff just outside of the lane. I just thought Mark Mitchell looked absolutely outstanding yeah. in that contest. And when you can bring that kind of energy, uh, you know, you're going to have an impact on the game. That's just period, end of story. And then, like I said, the other guy I love, just really quick, yeah. Jacob Grandison, the definition to me of experienced, smart, savvy, um, the way he scored his buckets in that game was a guy who understands the the geometry of basketball. There were so many times that you saw him recognize, okay, I'm at a moment here where I can put on an extra burst of speed. I can make a little bit of a move and give myself a very easy shot. Like Jacob Branderson's two-point shots, he didn't take a single difficult shot. That says something about a guy. <laughs> yeah, It's not easy to be the guy who always takes shots that you're going to make. And and I just I, I love Jacob Grandison's game. Shot selection is so key for all these guys, and and for Grandison, seventeen points uh, in that exhibition game against Fayetteville State. I was going to go back to Mark Mitchell for a moment. Uh, as a lefty myself, I'm always going to be more partial uh, to those guys, their level of play. And and even last week, Jason, we saw uh, the uh, LeBron James took on Zion Williamson and the Pelicans, and it was one of their first true head-to-head battles. Zion finishes with 27 points, and after the game, he spoke exactly to that. One, LeBron absolutely praising Zion for the player that he is, but he said, look, everyone wants to take away his left hand. Take away his left hand. Take away his left hand. LeBron said we were saying the same thing about Manu Ginobili, about Lamar Odom. Some of these great lefties, James Harden 
he threw in there as well. You know they want to go to the left, and yet you still can't stop them. And it does feel like we're going to see a little bit more of that uh, from Mark Mitchell. And then if LeBron is saying something like that in the world of basketball, I think that has a little bit of merit to it as well. Oh, unquestionably. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it, it's so weird. I mean, I played against lefties in my life. And like I say, you can just, it, it just looks weird to you. And it's just <laughs> harder to control. It's just strange. I, I don't understand you guys. We're <laughs> yeah, or, or, or odd creatures, that's for sure. So, and no, it, it, and speaking more to Jacob Grandison, his ability to knock down shots from the outside, to be uh, this impact player with D1 experience already for a Duke squad that just does not have a lot of it. Uh, I think that's got to be huge for Duke right out of the gates here early until some of those younger guys do get their feet wet and can come along. The young guys are going to play well right out of the gates, but they don't have that experience that Jacob Grandison does. No, most assuredly not. And and speaking of experience, the other guy obviously on the Duke team that has a ton of experience is Jeremy Roach. And I I, I will freely admit there, there are certain stats that I that I look at that I think are going to be really important for this Duke team this year. And one of the stats that I'm very keen on is you know, how much is Jeremy Roach shooting and how much is he facilitating? Uh, again, this is something I've spoken about extensively on, on my podcast. Jeremy Roach in that Houston game, you know, in the scrimmage that, that we did not get to see, but we got a box score from, uh, did not put up assists and took a bunch of shots. Yeah. And I, I think that if, if Duke struggles this year, I suspect it will be, in games where Jeremy Roach or other players are doing more facilitating for themselves than they are facilitating for their teammates. I was elated when I saw in this Jacksonville game from a statistical standpoint, and look, I observed you're watching. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Fayetteville State. Yeah, getting my, <laughs> getting my opponents. Yeah, Fayetteville State game. Uh, that, that Jeremy Roach had eight assists and only took six shots. Now, I, I, I'm fine with Jeremy Roach taking more shots than six shots, but but the eight assists to me are a big number, and, and only one turnover, by the way. I'll take an eight-to-one <laughs> assist-to-turnover ratio any day of the year for my point guard. But when Jeremy Roach, to me, is really playing like a point guard, is facilitating for the guys around him, giving them easy shots, a number of those assists were to guys like Jacob Grandison, where, where they just got you know easy buckets, layups off of it. I mean, the, the, the Blue Devils shot really, really well. Part of that is that Fayetteville State is small. They're not as you know, they're not even a Division One opponent. But I mean, Duke hit fifty six percent there. The shots. If you're going to hit 57 percent from the field, it means that you're getting quality shots. And and that's one of the things I love the most about that Fayetteville State game. And a lot of that came down to Jeremy Roach and to Electra Stent, Tyrese Proctor, and Jalen Blakes, and and the ability their ability to facilitate for their teammates. It's such a good point when you said it and, and, and discussing kind of what this team looks like, projecting totals and that sort of thing. You go to the Houston game, the box score in particular, I think it was three of 13 for Jeremy Roach from the floor, just not efficient whatsoever. But when he is able to share the ball, set others up, I think that's where his offense uh, is going to be greater. His ability to put the ball in the bucket uh, will certainly improve. And we saw that in the NCAA tournament. Let's continue this conversation and talk a little bit more about the season ahead for Duke men's basketball, but we'll take our first time out on the show today. Lockdown Blue Devils here today is brought to you by our good friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for betting football, and there is the start of the basketball season this year. You can find the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, 
an in-depth analysis on every single game. BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. Right now, BetOnline with future odds for Duke men's basketball. Right now, Duke has the second-best odds in the ACC to win the conference regular season champions. North Carolina, 3-2 to two odds right now on Bet Online. Duke right behind them with 3-1 to one odds to be the Atlantic Coast Conference champs. And then you could find Duke with plus 1,800 odds to win the 2023 National Championship in men's basketball. Only Gonzaga has the uh, best odds there at plus 750. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, Boxing, and Golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. We move forward here on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils. I'm JJ Jackson alongside my buddy Jason Evans, one of the co-hosts for the Duke Basketball Report podcast. And here we are getting set for a new season of Duke men's hoops. Uh, a question remains, Jason, as Duke gets set to open up the season. Uh, the health of Derek Lively II, Derek Whitehead, when those guys could be factored in. Lively expected to come back, uh, could see him tonight in the game against Jacksonville. With that being said, I'm so fascinated by how the front court then looks, and it's been a question we've had all year long, uh, when you or preseason long leading up to this, when you've got Lively and Filipowski, Ryan Young, and then even how Mark Mitchell is impacted by the front court rotation. That's going to be one of the big things to play out this season for me. Yeah, I, I'm I'm bummed that we didn't get to see Lively in any of the exhibitions or scrimmages that Duke had in the, in the preseason. He is a really exciting player to think about his potential because of his ability to protect the rim. Um, to and by the way, people may think, oh, we had we had Mark Williams last year protecting the rim. Very different players, and the way they're different is that uh, Derek Lively, I believe, has the foot speed. Um, the agility to be able to guard players in space in a way that Mark Williams absolutely could not. So Lively to me is going <clears throat> is going to be able to to come out on the floor and when he gets switched onto a smaller player, <clears throat> it it won't be a disaster. Uh, not that Mark Williams was a disaster, but it was it was not a favorable situation for Duke. Um, so I'm really interested in seeing Lively and his ability to do that. And then the other thing about Lively, again, that's very different from Mark Williams. He's going to step outside and shoot three pointers. Um, I've I've heard reports in practice, not that he's like the best three point shooter on the team, but you leave him alone out there, he'll bury you. The way we saw Kyle Filipowski mm-hmm. um, do it in the exhibition in the scrimmage game, um, Kyle Filipowski is a guy who can go out outside and, and shoot three pointers as well. And and for Duke to have that kind of versatility among their big men, I'm I'm so eager to see that in play. But I'll tell you what, maybe the most interesting thing about the big men to me, it's how Duke matches up with opponents in terms of going big or small. Think about the fact that if we wanted to at any given moment, we could have easily Lively and Filipowski on the floor together. They're both guys who are capable of, of, uh, of playing inside out, um, of being on the perimeter or being you know, inside. And as a result, um, you, don't, you don't clog things up if you have the two of them in the game together. That's two seven-footers on the floor together. On the other hand, Duke could decide to play small at times this year. And I think there's a really interesting possibility for this team to have a truly scary, scary defensive lineup that like is Mark Mitchell at the five 
and uh, you know maybe Jacob Grandison or Derek Whitehead is playing the four, and then you've got guards like Jeremy Roach, Jalen Blakes, Tyrese Proctor. There is there is potential for this team to have just a, you know an insane amount of quickness on the floor at the same time while not being a team that that is just overwhelmed on the boards because they're too small because Mark Mitchell and Derek Whitehead and Jacob Grandison and some of these other guys are able to rebound and compete with guys who are even bigger than they are because of their athletic ability. It, it, it's really, it's an interesting problem so yeah. to speak, for, for John Shire to have. And I'm really eager to see it in, in play because I think that we're going to get times where Duke plays really big. Look, it's not outside the realm of possibility that we'll see Whitehead. I'm sorry, that we'll see Lively, Filipowski and Mitchell on right. the floor together. Look, you could even, you want to go crazy? You could have Tyrese Proctor at point guard, Derek Whitehead at shooting guard, Mark Mitchell at small forward, Kyle Filipowski and Derek Lively. That'd be a team that like averages 6'9". Right. <laughs> <laughs> no one less than like 6'5 on the floor. And, and in fact, your wings are all like 6'8", 6'9". That insanely big team. And, and then you could also have a Duke team that, that goes small, like I yeah. described a moment ago. The, the lineup versatility is just so dynamic for this team. And, and again, we want to know what it looks like, but uh, you know, this is where we got to f- practice a little bit of patience to see these games play out, to see guys healthy first and foremost, uh, and, and then to see what exactly Duke does. It Maybe we find out that, that one of those lineups in particular struggles on the offensive end or the defensive end for whatever reason. And, and again, these are just great questions to kind of throw out there ahead of a season getting started. And then also, Jason, we didn't, spend much time right there talking about Ryan Young. And this is a guy who right. had 14 against Houston and then looking at the box score against Fayetteville State, pours in 12 points and six boards. So, I mean, that's a guy he wants to play. He wants his minutes a little bit too. So how in the world could Duke feet Ryan Young as well? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's uh, one, I think one of the most interesting things about this first team that John Shire has assembled I, I don't think at the top end, look, we haven't seen Derek Whitehead, so we don't know. Everyone presumes that he will be the best player on the team. He's the player with the, the most draft stock, you know, in, in terms of what NBA scouts say. But we don't think that at the top end, this Duke team is going to be as uh, as overwhelming as Paulo Bancaro's team last year. I don't, I don't know that we're going to have anybody that um, – is the scorer, is the uh, impact on on the game as an individual as Paulo was. Heck, for that matter, Wendell Moore. Um, right. I don't know that there's anybody, you know, there was a stat that we kept up with last year on the Duke Basketball Report with Wendell Moore. We call it 10-5-5, five, five, you know, games where he had 10 points, five assists, five rebounds. I'm not sure there's anybody on the team who's going to consistently, Wendell Moore did it like, I think it was like 16 times last year. Yeah. Um, I, I forget the exact number. It was in the teens. Uh, I don't think there's anybody that's going to have that kind of impact on the on the team this year. So at the top end, you can make an argument. Our players are not as impactful, perhaps, as they were a year ago. But the difference is the amount of depth that this team seems to have. The, the We talked about the versatility, but but that versatility comes from having a bunch of different guys who can do different things. I'm super excited for Jalen Blakes. Like, a couple, weeks ago, I would have told you, yeah. a couple of weeks ago, I would have told you that Jalen Blakes was was probably the 10th man on this squad and that somewhat like, like last year, he really only got into games when it was non-competitive. Uh, he was a freshman, you know, a, a not, not a five-star recruit. He was like a three, four-star recruit, a good 
player, but the kind of player that you go, oh, this is guy's going to take some time to develop. Well, he's now had some of that time. And the leap that he has made from freshman to sophomore year, we saw in that in the exhibition against Jacksonville State. Fayetteville State. Uh, yeah. Fayetteville State. I'm going to just get that wrong the whole time. Okay? <laughs> is that fine? Yeah. <laughs> At least I said State this time. Exactly. <laughs> against Fayetteville State, we saw a different Jalen Blakes than we saw a year ago. And look, I don't know that he's going to, I don't know that he's going to average even 10 minutes per game, but I think we're going to see Jalen Blakes appearing in competitive games, playing significant minutes, not just mop up minutes. And, and I think he's, he is like, and you mentioned Ryan Young. I mean, the amount of depth that Duke has, you know, what is Duke's third string center? Yeah, you know, if, if Ryan Young is the third yeah. string center, you know, behind Filipowski and, and Lively, Lively and Filipowski, is Duke's third string center better than every any other third string center in the country? <laughs> probably so. Jalen Blakes is probably Duke's third string point guard after, you know, behind Roach and Proctor. He's probably the best third string point guard in the country. The, the flexibility, though, that it gives you to have these kind of guys that can do different things, um, really, it, it, you know, it, it presents interesting stuff that John Shire can experiment with. He's got a lot of tools in his toolbox. It's like a problem that uh, only the elite of the elites, Duke basketball and, and other top programs uh, in the country experience, because you're right. When you look at Jalen Blake's a year ago, there's nothing impressive to really look at there. A lot of people uh, want to point to the ratings and how many stars someone has by a name and that sort of thing. And what I have to keep reminding myself of, Jason, is if you have a scholarship to play basketball at Duke University, there's a reason for that, and there's Amen. been enough proof in the pudding by this coach's uh, staff ability to recruit that it's like they see something there. It's just a matter of can that develop and can it be, and we have seen that so far from Jalen Blakes. Uh, well, and the thing that impresses me is you you want to see a guy's trajectory, and you want to see a guy recognizing what he needs to improve on to become a more and more valuable player. A year ago, Jalen Blakes could not shoot the ball. Right. And I want to be clear, I'm not talking about just three-pointers. He couldn't shoot three-pointers. His shot, if you looked at his sh shooting form on anything but a layup, you were like, that shot's not going in. <laughs> <laughs> and this year, at least from the blue-white game and from the exhibition against Fayetteville State. There we go. There we go. Uh, he, he looks like a completely good, different yeah. player. The amount of confidence he has in his offensive game um, and his uh, ability to, to find seams and get to the basket and use his body, because the dude is, he is wide. I mean, hit those shoulders, uh, he is a strong basketball player. And, and when you can use that strength to create space for yourself and create opportunities for yourself on offense, because you know he can use it on defense, Jalen Blakes, if he's guarding you, he's going to be in your shorts every single second. Um, it, it's just really, it's been great to see his progression. I didn't, I, I just, like I said, a couple of weeks ago, I did not think that he was going to be ready to help this team the way he is this year. And it's, it's, it's exciting because he's not only is he going to help this year, but down the line, this is a guy that's going to be an experienced player for Duke for several years to come. Uh, we need more of those. It's Locked On Blue Devils here on this Monday. Duke basketball gets started tonight as they take on Jacksonville. I want to talk a little bit more about uh, managing reactions to a first week of play and, and kind of what to expect from Duke as they get going here in the first week of the season, and we'll do that 
after our final timeout here on today's show. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Blue Devils your first listen or watch today. For your second listen, we'd appreciate you checking out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, you can go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with the local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. We've got Locked On shows for every single team in Major League Baseball, the NHL, the NBA, and the NFL, and so many teams across college athletics. We recap it all on Locked On Sports Today. It's available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back into Locked On Blue Devils. JJ Jackson alongside my buddy Jason Evans, one of the co-hosts for the Duke Basketball Report. Before we go forward, now that basketball season is here, Jason, kind of remind us what, what is the uh, the grand picture of or what's the plan, so to speak, for the DBR podcast now that we're jumping back into uh, to basketball season. What can folks expect? Well, you know, we, we don't do it every day like you do, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, once we get into basketball season here, we're going to be coming to folks probably twice a week, sometimes three times a week. It depends on, you know, how many games there are and things like that. Uh, you know, we're always going to have a lot of fun, interesting guests the same way you do. And it's just, it's breaking down the basketball games. That's the primary thing for the first part of the season. It's trying to figure out, you know, as Duke fans, we face a different challenge than other fan bases because our team changes so much every year. I mean, Realistically, this season, the only player that we can say we know anything about is Jeremy Roach. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, even Jalen Blakes, who's back on the team, just uh, you know, as we discussed earlier, didn't play very much last year right. and has has been forced from freshman to sophomore year to remake his game to some extent. So there's a steep learning curve, and early in the season, we're going to be all about that learning curve and and figuring out you know what roles do these guys play, and then the other thing is. New coach. Hello. <laughs> yeah, really and haven't spent much time about that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, you know, I, I'm real excited to begin to figure out, you know, what John Shire wants to do in terms of the strategy, uh, the, the way he, the style he wants to play. Uh, he's talked about wanting to play fast. Uh, it looks like they want to do a bit more pressing and, and being aggressive on defense. Uh, so I'm eager to see, you know, how, just how they look different from what Duke has looked like in the past, uh, we've had we had 40 years of, of looking almost the same way every season. Not to say that Coach K didn't adapt, not at all, but you had a pretty good sense of, of what kind of team Duke was going to be. And, and, and to be clear, I don't know that we're going to get a lot of how John Shire's different from Coach K in the first week of the season because our first two opponents – He's just not gonna. He's not gonna pull out the good stuff against Jacksonville and USC Upstate. He's, yeah, he's, he's gonna save it. He may. He, he may even save it all the way until um, the ACC season. We may not see it against Kansas or Ohio State or in the the, the PK eighty five or whatever it is that we're they're playing out there to honor the the Nike founder Phil Knight. Um, the other the other reason he may save stuff is that the this whole preseason we haven't really had Derek Whitehead. We know that Derek Lively has been has been limited. I believe Jacob Grandison was also limited by injuries at, at some point. Um, Tyrese Proctor arrived on campus a little bit late, didn't get to play in the summer. So in terms of you know having time to put schemes in place for John Shire, he, he hasn't had his team yet to be able to do that very much. But that's, that's, that's what the first few weeks are going to be, is all of us learning the players, what they look like, right. what their yeah, numbers exactly. are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, stuff as mundane as that. And and then figuring out, you know, how John Shire wants to use these different pieces. How much, uh, 
how much depth is Shire going to use? Right. Coach K was, you could bank on Coach K going six and a half, maybe seven deep. And that was it. Uh, it sure looks like John Shire has the players to go considerably deeper than that. Is he going to? I don't right. know. Yeah. That's what, that's what we begin to find out tonight. And even smaller things, Jason, like when we're watching Duke basketball, how active is John Shire on the sidelines, right? In the back half of yep. Kay's career, compared to every other coach in America, Coach K was always kind of sitting down and in his own world and, and barking out instructions from a seated position. How animated are we going to see the head coach in John Shire this season? I'm fascinated by that. Well, I just I would love to know what emotions, what jitters, what everything John Shire is truly experienced. This is your alma mater, one of the most prestigious basketball programs in the world, the most successful college basketball coach ever is your predecessor, and you're walking in tonight to your very first game as the head coach. It's like I, movie stuff, man. I I can't to say I can't imagine. <laughs> what it what, what would be like for him is like an understatement. I really can't. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, on the one hand, he, I think he, he's had a lot of time to prepare for this. It did not come out of the blue, so to speak, because we had that pat, we had a year right. of him as the coach in waiting. And he's had at least a few different occasions where, you know, coach K had health situations that necessitated John Shire taking the role of head coach in a game. I think, uh, I think it, I want to say it happened twice last year. Yep. It happened once the year before that, I believe, yep. or maybe two years, but I, I don't remember the exact timetable. I'm old. I, I forget game stuff. And two Wake Forest games. Yep. Yeah. But, but it, it won't be John Shire's first time in Cameron as head coach, but it, it'll feel different. It'll still mm -hmm. feel very different. And, I'm sure he's very excited. I, I know I've spoken to some people who, who know the Duke program, who know John Shire, who, uh, you know, candidly former players, folks who are involved in the NBA and in college basketball. And off the record, they've said to me, John Shire has a pretty unique basketball mind. Coach K didn't just pick the, the latest assistant who was standing in front of him to take over this program. There was a, a lot of thought about who was the right person for the job and a lot of thought about who was capable of continuing what Coach K has built, which is the best program in all of college basketball. And, and there was very, very little hesitation about John Shire being the right person for the job. And I know it's very easy to look at the recruiting and go, oh, of course he's the right guy for the job. Look at all these recruits he's bringing in. Look at how all, all these kids, Duke is still selecting, not recruiting. If Duke goes after you, you, you say yeah. yes. And that's awesome. But I think we're going to start to see a good bit of John Shire's basketball mind away from recruiting as, as a strategist, as someone who can marshal the team in some pretty interesting and unique ways. I, I, my understanding from people, again, who really know the sport is that John Shire is a little bit of a basketball genius. Maybe not an academic genius. I know some folks who went to school with him, who took classes with him. <laughs> maybe not, maybe not a complete academic genius, but that he really, really knows this game. And and I think Duke fans are gonna be very happy with with the change at the yeah. time.
Let's get it started tonight, Duke and Jacksonville, and then later in the week, like we said, South Carolina upstate on the schedule for the Blue Devils. I'm thrilled. It's basketball season. We get to watch the team we love so much a little bit later tonight, which is going to be an absolute blast. Jason, as always. JJ, hit really quick. Yeah. Just a quick parting thing for all your listeners. I want folks to have proper expectations. Yeah. It's a new coach. It is – I think it's 11 new guys or something like that on the team. It's a ridiculous number of new guys on the team. It is a team that, as we just mentioned, has has struggled with injuries in the preseason. I, f- I want to be clear. I fully expect that you will not see a Duke team that is as good as Duke typically is in the early years, in the early season. One of the things about Coach K was – those teams almost always started out really, really well. Not to say they didn't end really well also, but you could count on Duke. I mean, like, look, Duke has, I I believe, I haven't looked it up lately. I think Duke has the best record of any team in the Champions Classic. Um, In fact, I think they have a winning record against everyone except Kansas. I think we're like- You're exactly right, yes. Uh, And and if you look at other preseason, you know, early season tournaments and things like that, ACC Big Duke has the best record of any team in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, I believe, as well, even though we always play the best the Big Ten has to offer. Coach K was great at getting his teams ready early in the season and and at putting his teams together very quickly, probably because he'd been doing it for 40 years. I, I, I think you may see this Duke team struggle some early in the year. And I don't want folks to lose their minds if – for example, the Kansas game doesn't go well. Yeah. Or if or if Duke's in close games, maybe even takes a loss to one of these teams where you go, we have no business losing to that team. It could happen, and it won't be the end of the world. Um, with a team as young as this one, it's going to take them a little more time, I think, to come together than what Duke has had in the past. Even other freshman-dominated teams that Duke had had more experience on the roster than what we have right now. And, and they also had Coach K. Yeah. So – Perspective, people. If we don't beat Jacksonville and South Carolina upstate by 20-plus points, don't freak out. If we lose to Kansas, don't freak out. Right. There's a long season ahead of us, and I am I really think that by the time we hit February, this is going to be a pretty darn good Blue Devil Club. This is where we remind people again, Louisville lost an exhibition game to Lenore Ryan last week. So perspective is everything, and the sun always does rise the next day. So (laughs) you're right, man. Jason, thanks so much again for being on the program today. Always a pleasure to catch up with you. My pleasure. Always happy to to chat with you and your listeners, buddy. That is uh, Jason Evans. He is a co-host for the Duke Basketball Report. Make sure you check out their podcast. It is outstanding, that's for sure. Duke Basketball tonight taking on Jacksonville. We'll be back tomorrow to recap all of the fun. Best of luck to our Duke men's basketball team as their 2022-2023 season gets started. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you get them. Watch us on YouTube and subscribe there as well each and every day. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.